Our next retreat is finally here. It's called Adventures in Energetics, and it's happening November 8th to the 14th, 2024 in Boquete, Panama. This seven-day, six-night retreat in the beautiful cloud forest of Panama is going to be a unique experience. This program is a not-for-beginners retreat. And what I mean by that is you will actually have to fill out an application before you will be accepted to be able to register for the program because we are going to be doing more advanced level energetics and I need to make sure that everybody who comes is actually ready for the work. We will be doing a Kundalini awakening. We will be doing group visioning process called a spiritual canoe. We will be doing daily presence practices and working on expanding our energy. We will be doing daily rituals. This process will be related to specifically the people who are there because in addition to filling out the questionnaire about what your experience is, you're also gonna ask for what it is that you'd like to learn. So part of the curriculum for this is set and part of it will be designed around the desires of the participants. I only have 20 beds available for this retreat, so it will fill up quickly. So this is the time to register. Do not wait. To find out more, go to kellysparta.com forward slash retreat. I look forward to seeing you there. Another blood red sunset and yet another moon face and still another hundred miles to my next resting place. Driving down the road, eyes on the horizon, within my car I'm all Feeling good and feeling strong Knowing that this path I'm on brings me to myself I'm driving Hey now all, I'm Joey C. Welcome back to another episode of Spirit Sherpa. This is the show that helps and encourages you on your journey to unlock your magic mojo. With me as always is the spirit doctor, Kelly Sparta. Hey Kelly. Hey Joey. I, I want to wish you happy inauguration day, but that would indicate that we're, we're not recording this on the day where we're posting it. But people know that already. So happy yeah. inauguration day. Yeah. Happy inauguration day. The magic. Oh, my God. You know, we're, we're going to we have to take us an aside to talk about this because uh, I watched the inauguration and the moment where Garth Brooks came out to sing Amazing Grace. And he did the last verse of the song and he asked everyone in America to join in with him. Now, first, country music singer. So bringing in the right, right? With the country music singer, who, by the way, has sung at every inauguration except for Trump's and one other, I can't remember. Um, <clears throat> singing a black spiritual. So bringing in the left. From the church, which is, again, the right, right? So, I mean, it's just a beautiful choice, right, to, to do that. But the entire message throughout the whole inauguration was unity. And what did Garth Brooks come in and do? He did some serious freaking magic, man. Oh, my God. I <clears throat> So, what you may not know is that the, the Washington, D.C. is built on a Masonic sigil. And it was designed by the Masons. There's a pentacle that exists in the center of the city. There's lots of, of uh, ge sacred geometry that exists in the city. And I am personally of the opinion that 
the founders created the, the magic to hold the country together and that whoever sits in the presidential seat gives a little bit of their life force to the, to maintain the country. And that's why they come out looks and looking so haggard. So <clears throat> looking so much older because they literally are, they're being drained of their life force. Right. So beware what you ask for when you want to be president. Anyway, the, that's my personal opinion. I don't have anything on which to base it, base it except what I see happen. So uh, it's, it's more than stress can account for. So, because the staffers don't look that old and they go through the same stress. So, right. So the point being that Garth Brooks did this piece of magic, which I'm sure he didn't even know he was doing magic, but you're standing in the sigil, right? Because the Capitol is actually part of the sigil. You're standing on the sigil doing something specifically designed to do working on the U.S. people, and you're doing it in a collective fashion at the end of a whole long line of intention setting. I mean, the man just, he, he rocked it too. <laughs> because I, I don't know about you, Joey, but I sang along or I tried. I'm in tears streaming down my face and I was having a hard time getting words out of my mouth. And Jeff was all choked up trying to sing along to my husband. And, and we're, we're like... <laughs> because it was just like there was so much energy because it was so many people at the culmination of this ritual of unification. The entire inauguration was a ritual of unification. And so it was a beautiful piece of magic. Now, if you missed seeing it, fear not. Magic doesn't exist in time and space. It exists on its own level. You can tap in at any point. Just go find the recording and watch it and sing along and you can participate and you will have this experience. It was amazing. And I was floored that none of the commentary afterward said anything about it. But I, I know that they probably didn't have the experience because they didn't actually sing. Until you sing, you didn't have the experience. Well, and they probably were overwhelmed by the uh, the young woman who was the poet laureate, who was absolutely fierce and wonderful and just powerful in her own right. And I think people were blown away by that. Could you imagine? Um, I think she's like 23. Yeah, she's so oh young <laughs> and so amazingly in tune. It was wonderful. It's just it, it was really an interesting thing. And and I agree. I was in the same boat. I was I was choked up pretty much for the entire day uh, just watching. I was just overwhelmed with emotion. It was it was really wonderful. Anyway, but that's not what we're talking about today. <laughs> no, it's not. We're back into the Wheel of the Year series. We are. We are because we're coming up on the next holiday. So there are high and low holidays within the wheel of the year. And the high holidays fall on the solstices and the equinoxes. And the low holidays fall at roughly the midpoint between them. Not always, but roughly. Okay. Is there a term for that midpoint? No. <laughs> at least not that I know of. Maybe somebody out there knows better, but I don't, I've never heard of one. The holiday that we're coming into is technically a low holiday, and it is called Imbolc in pagan circles. And the Catholic Church adopted it, as they did with most 
of our holidays from the pagan calendar. Um, and they called it candle mass. Okay. And so <clears throat> technically it falls on the 1st of February. If you're looking at historical references to it, which is, it's mostly a Celtic tradition in bulk. It's, it's St. Bridget's day. It's a fertility, rite. Yeah. Um, and so it typically fell on the 1st of February, although, you know, there's arguments for it being related to the first shoots of spring or the first, you know, use, you know, coming, coming into heat or whatever. I don't know. But, <laughs> um, <clears throat> but there, there's, there's talk of that. In modern pagan times, uh, m- most of the pagans I know celebrated on Groundhog's Day. Okay. And which is technically the 2nd of February because, uh, it's the date in our calendar where we look to Punxsutawney Phil and, you know, do we have more, more winter or do we have spring and what's going to happen? And, you know, and it's, it's, it's become the U.S.'s sort of way of looking at, you know, the coming of spring, right? So in, uh, at Yule, we celebrate the return of the light, right? It's the darkest day of the year on the on the winter solstice, and so we celebrate the returning of the light. In Imbolc, we celebrate the returning of the greenery, right? It's the time in which spring is starting to come into fruition, right? And at the same time, and typically there's a feast, okay? So there's some sort of feast that you have. And at the same time, Typically, it would be the time to take stock of your stores to see that you have enough to get you through the rest of winter. It's a little bit like the the life review we do on New Year's these days, right? Because you're sort of looking at what you've got and what you don't have and whatever. But it's it's less of a sort of overall life review and more of a physicality life review, you know, what do we have in the storehouse? How much emotional, how many spoons do we have, right? We talked about spoons when, when, when the COVID started coming in. Um, <clears throat> but in this particular instance, it's, you know, it's, it's what do we have? What resources are available to us? And are they sufficient to get us where we want to go before more resources come in? And so, if you have abundance, you have a great feast. If you do not, you begin rationing, right? That's that's sort of the way of, of this. And so the there are many different ways that many, many different formats for ritual for this holiday. And everybody does it a little bit differently. Okay. Uh, if you want to read about the traditional one, the Wikipedia site on Imbolc, which we're going to put in the show notes, actually has a lot of really good content, uh, including some of the original rituals from the Celtic and, and uh, Irish uh, side of things. For my part, what we have always done for Imbolc, uh, and I, I think, Joey, I, I was trying to think today what the very first ritual was that I participated in. And I think it was an in-bulk ritual. Oh, no way. <laughs> yeah. I think it was a really long time ago. And so, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm, they mushed together in my brain. But, but I remember, and so, you know, Kathy talks about her, 
her first ritual being that they had to, they had her hold the inner, they had her hold death, that she was death in the ritual. And has she told that story on here yet? Yeah. Okay. So, so hers was, she was death. Mine was, I had to get naked. <laughs> so, so, um, <clears throat> we did a purification, right? Now this was a circle of, of people that I worked with who were really close friends of mine. I'd known them for a while. Um, and there were five of us in total and we got together. Actually, I think only four of us did this ritual now that I'm remembering it. I think there were only four of us and, uh, we got together and we did a purification rite to begin it in which we each took turns having a bath where the other people bathed us. And so you strip down and you get in the water and you use the salt water and the scrubs and the there's there's it's a very loving ritual, right? And we took turns going through that. And then we came and did our taking stock, right? And we sat down and we we wrote out and talked about what it was that we were taking stock of in our lives and what we were, you know, what we felt like we needed more of that we needed to bring into fruition and what we felt like we were done with and that we could let go of and, you know, how much was there. And then we created an altar together around this concept of what we were bringing into fruition. Because again, it's the beginning of spring. So what are you calling forth from the ground? Right. And so <clears throat> it's an early planting time too for people in certain climates. It wouldn't work so well in the north. But <laughs> but but in my climate right here, you could do early planting at this time. Um and so there was uh you know that where we created this altar around it. And we um oh I'm trying to remember. We did some sort of burning. I, I think we burned the things that we were letting go of. I think that's what we did. And then um, and then we had a feast to celebrate the... It, so the feast for us, as opposed to being a, do we have enough and then we'll celebrate with extra, right? Um, we did the feast as a manifestation to say, this is everything we've asked for come to fruition and we are... We're reveling in and literally taking in the abundance of what we have created. And so that's a possible ritual, right? There's a lot of different ways to do in bulk. And if you go online and you search, you'll find a bunch of different ways to do in bulk, right? But the 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 short thing is you you cast a circle. You start with a circle. You have an intention. Okay, and then you have to to bring that into intention to fruition through the process of the ritual, right? Being and, and you're using sympathetic magic, right? That's the the that's the whole point of doing it at this time of year is that the the energy of the earth is in alignment with the energy of what you're doing, and therefore it facilitates the shift with you, right? And because in bulk is sort of a fluid sort of thing, we just had the episode with Charlemagne talking about the moon, right? So if you want to look at the moon and what phase it's in and 
correlate that with in bulk, you can, you can do it on the 31st or the first or the second, right? Depending on whether the, you know, if the moon is just this close, right? (laughs) It's not exactly right. You know, I think she actually called it the uh, lunar tide or lunar uh, where there was that area around which contained the energy. Yeah. The moon tide. Yeah. yeah, the moon tide. That's what it yeah. was. Yeah. So, yeah. So you can do that with bulk as well, because it, it's it's a smushable thing, right? Much like Easter is moves around. The solstices, not so much, right? The the equinoxes, not so much. Those those are what they are, and they are distinct points, points in time. So you don't want to judge those. But the in-between spots, eh, you can judge them a little. Right, and it sounds like from what we're talking about here, with regards to the ritual we're discussing uh, about bringing, releasing, and bringing in, this is very similar to what we talked about in Yule as well. It sounds like these, when we when we discuss the wheel of the year and these, either the high or the low celebrations, those are good times to do this taking stock uh, rituals. It seems like at least with the first two that we've discussed, Yule and now Imbolc. Yeah, you'll see that uh, also in. Uh, Beltane. And that's because we're in the time of the waxing of the sun, right? So this um, is very similar to what we'd also discussed in the lunar astrology episode where we were using the, the, the cycle of the moon to find that sympathetic magic spot. Here we're talking the cycle of the sun almost. Yes, to find that we are. Magic it it spot. is yeah. the cycle of the sun. So, um, so, you know, it's, it's that, When you start to get into this, you start to recognize that everything relates to everything else, right? And the more you learn, the more everything relates to everything else. (laughs) And and so after a while, you just start going, oh, yeah, so I'll just, you know, judge this in, judge that out. It'll be fine because they all mean the same thing anyway, right? And, And, you know, that's where you get people, you know, people make such a big deal about cross pollinating different belief structures and they're like oh cultural appropriation blah 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 it's like if it's my practice and if i have studied that practice and 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 integrated that practice into my being and i choose to zhuzh it together with another practice that i have studied and brought into my being then that's not cultural appropriation that's me that's me working with my culture right because it's become mine Right now, if if somebody doesn't want to teach me something that is their culture, that is their right. Right. It is not my right to go in and steal it from them. Right. But if they have given it to me freely, then it is mine to freely use. Right. And and so, you know, people there's the PCness makes me nuts. There's value to sustainability. And, and that is part of being part of the earth. And that's, as we're talking about the wheel of the year, we are talking about coming into alignment with the earth, coming into alignment with the seasons, coming into alignment with the, the way in which the energy moves and what energies are available at different times. It brings us into alignment with the earth itself. Doing things in a sustainable fashion is a reflection of being in alignment with the earth because you begin to recognize that not everything exists forever, right? You know, the the Western world, the U.S. in particular, we are taker society. Um, you know, if you've never read Call Me Ishmael, go get it. 
It's totally worth it, right? But we are a taker society. And therefore, because we are a taker society based on monetary gain, and, you know, not not driven by heart centered values anymore, we used to be 50 years, 60 years ago, it was a little bit more heart centered, although the black community would not agree with me on that. Um, Yes. (laughs) Right. But but, you know, the white white culture at least had some some heart to it. Then there was a sense of community and working together and not the divisiveness that we see today. Many, many other problems, many, many other problems. But but we've lost even whatever semblance of heart we had in the interim. And so the the challenge is that as we go through our process, we need to not only connect back into the earth, but we need to connect back into our hearts. And we have to recognize that everything we do has consequences. Everything we touch, touches others. And that there's a ripple effect that goes out. And so, uh, you know, somebody asked me the other day where I sourced my smudge from. And I was like, I buy it at the store. What do you mean? And and I went and looked it up and went, holy crap, I had no idea that there were companies doing unsustainable smudge sourcing, you know, sage sourcing. And I was like, I will be very carefully choosing my sage provider from here on out because I did not realize that that was an issue. I just assumed that they grew it. And that they then harvested what they had and know what they're doing is going out and taking wild sage and Palo Santo in particular. I don't care for Palo Santo. I don't like the smell of it, but I would never buy Palo Santo right now because it is an endangered species. It is an endangered plant. And I did not know that. Um, I don't buy it, so it wasn't relevant to me. But when I was looking up the smudge stuff, the sage stuff, um, I discovered that as well. And so... My strong suggestion to anyone listening to this is that you not buy Palo Santo because it is, and this is where cultural appropriation comes in, right? Because we in the Western world who are not part of the original tradition that was using it have so overpurchased it that it is no longer available to those for whom it is a cultural practice. And that's not fair, right? So there's, there's that. So, and there's an entire history. Yeah, I was just going to say there's an entire history to cultural appropriation that we can go back, you know, even the Roman Empire and then how that, but they're all different, right? But when we talk about, um, you, like you said, we got a little off track. So let's bring us back a little to here to Imbolc <laughs> and well, how we're. When we're talking about ritual, we, we have to talk about it because, you know, I mean, this came from the Celts. Okay, so is that cultural appropriation? Well, I don't know, you know. So at some point, you you can't say that I can't use anything. Well, and that's it. The study yeah. of uh, of any of these things that we're talking about, specifically with this series, and largely with a lot of what we talk about within um, energy work, spirituality, and magic, it's coming from, in some cases, a whole host of different uh, backgrounds uh, that have established these things that got changed over the years and and pulled into different things. It's not a misuse of them. It's a reuse of them, maybe in a different way, but with the same uh, respect shown to them that they were originally intended. 
And they were almost certainly uses or reuses of something that came before them as well. And this is the piece that we have to recognize. So there's, there is, um, when you are popularizing something that then inhibits someone else's practice of their culture, that to me is cultural appropriation, right? And so the Palo Santo thing totally applies in that regard. Now, when you are using something that has come down through the generations and has been, you know, it's been morphed a million times. You just know. I mean, I morph it. Everybody who taught me morphed it. Everybody who taught them morphed it. I swear to you, it is not the shit that the first person got. Right? Well, and that's the case in a lot of what we do in our particular community is that things morph because people feel something in a slightly different way. And that's just how it rolls. Exactly. And, you know, I've had people look at me and say, well, you can't say you're a shaman because you're not Native American. And I'm like, well, the term shaman actually comes from Russia. <laughs> and there's been a t- shaman in every tribal culture, every everywhere. And they're like, well, you haven't, you know, you have to be trained by a, a certified shaman. There's no such thing as a third certified shaman. Let's just start with that. And, um, you know, the idea that uh, there's this, this, we have this very Western view of things that says, well, you have to have the stamp of approval on your forehead, right? But, you know, any shaman worth their salt is going to tell you that spirit just tells them what to do. <laughs> And and that's not about having been trained per se, although, you know, training happens along the way, you know, spirit, spirit runs you into people who tell you what to do. <laughs> if, if you if you didn't take a specific course, then the spirit will just, you know, whack you with the different people that you need. But, um, you know, it's, it's the idea that a specific thing could be proprietary is problematic. Because if spirit hands it to you, then spirit hands it to you. So, you know, when I do my sound healings, people say, oh, you sound Native American. I'm like, well, one of the the energies that I channel as I do my sound healings is Native American. One of them is Mongolian. I was just going to say, I, I've, I've noticed some, uh, <laughs> some other in there. Mongolian was one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So and and sometimes it's just coming through me. And that's just what it is, right? So you're holding what you're holding in the moment. And that's going to be true whatever ritual you run. And so, you know, I'm going to give you some ideas in this process with the Wheel of the Year. I'm going to give you some ideas for how you can engage. But I want you to engage your creativity too, right? I want you to think about how it's relevant to you, how this time of the year to sit in meditation with how this time of the year feels to you. You know, we today, uh, you know, with the inauguration, it feels like a new, a new thing has begun, right? And, and, it, and it has, we're, we're ending a time and we're beginning a time. And that is almost like a new year, right? And we're going to have, uh, you know, by the time in bulk rolls around, we're also going to be in Mercury retrograde this year. And so as we go into Mercury retrograde, we have to recognize that the time of Mercury retrograde is about going within. 
It's about doing our shadow work. It's about cleaning out the stuff that we don't need anymore, right? It's literally a great time to clean out your closets, right? So, but it's a great way to clean out the the virtual, the emotional closets, right? And so how does that play into how you want to experience your in-bulk experience, right? How does the moon phase play into it? How does the sign that we're in play into it? You know, how does what's going on in your life play into it? And, and as we talk about the wheel of the year, we said, you know, that's that's the cycle of the sun. We've talked about the lunar cycle, uh, the sign where things are. All of these are ways that we can leverage not just the the state of things, but also the collective state of things to be able to do the work we need to do. And a lot of these major milestones that we hit, the year, the the, the moon cycle, whatever it is, a lot of these milestones and in our transformation work that we're doing is about finding these points to clean and pull in what we want and get rid of what we don't need. It's this recognition that there are purge moments in our, in our lives that we need to be able to be ready to, to walk into. Now we've done Yule and now we're at in bulk. We'll have another wheel of the year coming up in the next holiday. What that will or the next milestone point. What will that one be? That will be Beltane, which most people know of as May Day. So the 1st of May. All right. So we'll be back with this the 1st of May. I also want to add a teaser in here because you brought it up. So I'm blaming you for it. You talked about when you do your sound sound healings that you channel different things. Next episode, we're going to be able to experience that. For those who have not experienced some of the sound healing episodes you've done in the past, you're planning to do a sound healing in the next episode of Spirit Trip. Yes, I am. And you forgot that, didn't you? I, I Well, I knew it was coming. I just didn't know when. <laughs> it was on the calendar, I knew, but I, I don't remember what I said it was going to be. But, <laughs> but you know, if, if, you're, if you're a fan of the sound healings, um, another way to get more of them is actually to be part of the Moon Magic Circle, too, because I actually put the sound healing. There's a sound healing for every month. Um, for every bit of working that that you guys do in that circle as I do a sound healing to support the work. So if if you find that the sound healings are your jam, then you want more, then that's a that's a good way to get it is to be part of the moon magic circle. Yeah. And, and speaking of uh, the moon magic circle and some things you have going on, we haven't talked about inner peace 101 in a while. What's going on with that? How are things looking there? Oh, amazing. I actually just talked to one of my students about coming on and being interviewed. Um, she's super excited. So she'll be coming up soon. Uh, but the inner piece 101 is the finding emotional safety piece, right? And so, and we keep talking about how magic is, is a function of your ability to hold focus and wield your energy while standing in your power, right? And when you have come from a challenged childhood, that limits your ability to do that. There are panic functions that kick in. There are uh, worthiness issues. There is fear of being powerful because you might hurt somebody. There's fear of being powerful because you don't want to be responsible for stuff. There's uh, so many things, right? There's a lot of different pieces and parts that get in the way. And so in the Inner Peace 101 program, what we do is we get you through 
the major blocks to doing your personal growth work that allows you to really solidify your intention and your focus and your energy and your power, right? And so that program is designed to work on anxiety and worry and dread and self-doubt and uh, judgments, inner and outer. And and it's also designed to build a sense of self-support and to build your courage muscles. And so all of those things together make you less uh, resistant to doing your personal work, uh, partly because we teach you what resistances are and how to overcome them. (laughs) And partly because we're working with you on all of the emotional stuff. And we're working with you on all the energetic stuff. So we we work with you on the boundaries for empaths, which you can get in the spirit Sherpa by Kelly Sparta group on Facebook. That's in the unit section in there, you can get that for free. Um, But we we work with that. And we also work on shielding and we work on protecting your house warding your house and we work on clearing your energy field and we work on divination and talking to your guides. And so we're setting a solid foundation for your magical practice while we're doing the things that are need to be done in order to soothe your spirit and your emotional and your inner child, right? And so all of those things together get get accomplished in that first program. So it's really quite comprehensive and it is life-changing. And that's why that program, Inner Peace 101, is the, the prerequisite program to any of the uh, Mystery School larger programs that you do, correct? Yeah. Yeah. The only thing you can do without having done Inner Peace 101 is the Moon Magic series. Yeah. yeah. And you do some ritual work in terms of teaching people about ritual and that as well, the lunar... Uh, in the in the Moon, moon Magic. magic. Yes. Yeah. 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 The very first month of the Moon Magic series is an entire class on ritual basics. Right. Because you need that to do ritual. (laughs) There you go. Novel concept. Awesome. Awesome. This has been fantastic. Kelly, how about a Kellyism before we head out today? Just because it looks like it's all over the place doesn't mean it is. Everything was purposeful. I'm going to have to sit with that one. I'm not sure what it hits, but it sounds really important. (laughs) All right, folks, that is all that we have for this week. But be sure to join us next time as Kelly adds another chapter into your guide to energy, magic and the spirit world. I'm Joey C here with Kelly Sparta, and you have been listening to Spirit Trippa. So long, everyone. Bye. Spirit Trippa is the sole property of Kelly Sparta Enterprises and is distributed under a Creative Commons BY-NC-ND 4.0 license. For more information about this licensing, please go to www.creativecommons.org. Any requests for deviations to this licensing should be sent to kelly at kellysparta.com. To sign up for or get more information on the programs, offerings, and services referenced in this episode, please go to www.kellysparta.com. This episode of Spirit Sherpa has been produced by Honu Voice Productions, with post-production by Christopher Wright. Into my home and my love and my life and me. Are you waking up to the spiritual world and realizing that you have no idea what you're doing? But you feel like you kind of probably should, especially since 
you seem to be seeing things and feeling things and having things see you that maybe aren't so great and that you might want to actually control your experience of that. Well, I have great news for you because our Welcome to the Woo program does just that for you. It teaches you how to hold your energy field, manage your energy field, clear your energy field, protect your energy field, and learn how to protect your space. And you learn how to do basic divination and talk to your guides so that you feel like you actually have a clue and have a way to talk to the guides that will help you to figure everything else out. And it teaches you how to make sure that you feel mentally, emotionally, and energetically safe. That means that we also deal with things like fear and anxiety and worry and dread and self-doubt and inner and outer judgments. And we help you build a foundation of self-support and courage. All of these things together create a solid sense of safety in your own life. They will reduce your stress levels in half guaranteed. So visit the website at kellysparta.com and find out more about the Welcome to the Woo program. Your future awaits.